This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. I kind of feel weird calling it a business because it was never, it never felt like a business. Like I, would, I, didn't, I never did it for the money. I'm a terrible business person, basically. Like I never do anything for money. I probably should. This is the Food Podcast, a Village Soundcast Network production where personal stories are shared through the lens of food. I realized recently what I'm trying to do with my writing, with my recipes, with my books, is I want people to feel something. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. My bicycle is an army green cruiser with fenders and a little bell on the left handle. I took it to London where I bike to and from work each day. Its front basket always overstuffed each evening with treasures from the Portobello market. Carrots, flowers, and bunches of greens would bounce up and almost out every time I hit a speed bump on my northbound ride to our little attic flat. I bought the bicycle several years before, shortly after I moved to Toronto for cooking school. It only took a few cold mornings waiting for the bus to figure out that it would be way more fun to fly down Mount Pleasant on a bike, all the way to Adelaide, a backpack full of chef whites and tears streaming from my eyes as the cool morning air hit my face. After classes, my cooking partner Krista would put on her rollerblades, and together we'd head homeward, up Young Street. And when Young became too steep, Krista would yell, latching on, and she'd grab onto the back of my seat, and I'd tow her up to Bloor, where she'd go left, and I'd head right. I biked everywhere on my green cruiser that year in Toronto, to restaurants, to jobs, to class, and even on bad dates. Yes, the green cruiser faithfully took me on that clarifying ride one warm sunny afternoon in late May. I was on a bike ride with a guy I was dating at the time. To protect the innocent, we'll call him Chad. Chad was a competitive kind of guy. Even his bicycle, with its sleek light frame and skinny seat, seemed to say, I'm so fast, much faster than you. I should have seen the signs. We set out, heading east towards the beach, following the path along the waterfront. My bike was so happy cruising along the gently curved, smooth pavement, with only the odd jogger to weave around. Nothing a little ding of the bell couldn't handle. But before I knew it, Chad and his bicycle wanted more. They turned the joggers into an obstacle course, darting faster in and around people until I couldn't see them anymore. They wanted to reach the destination first, but neither myself nor my cruiser were interested in racing. So we meandered along, stopping for a sip of water, an ice cream cone, and to chat with a friend who I recognized along the way. You know, the usual things one does on a casual afternoon cruise. I met up with Chad an hour later. There he was, sitting on a picnic table at the end of the path, bicycle cooling at his feet. Where had I been? What took me so long? Why couldn't I keep up? What happened? Chad, this isn't gonna work, I said, trying not to laugh. My cruiser wanted to float through the air, I explained, singing raindrops on roses and whispers on kittens. He and his bicycle wanted to shout highway to hell everywhere they went. We went our separate ways on our bicycles that afternoon. 
me with my second ice cream in hand and he with his energy drink. As you'll hear my friend Andrea say, biking is freedom, the closest thing you'll ever have to flying. I never want to race my way to freedom. Today on the Food Podcast, I talk with Hetty McKinnon, an Australian cookbook author and creator and publisher of Peddler Magazine. Hetty began her life in food, making salads, then delivering them on her bicycle throughout her neighborhood in Sydney. Now she lives in Brooklyn, where we sat down to chat. The conversation was all about being creative with your career choice, the importance of pivoting in life, going with the flow, celebrating vegetables and sharing what you've made with your community, your neighborhood, and most of all, your family. All of this with a big squeeze of lemon today on the Food Podcast. A is for art and how it helps to make sense of it all, to answer those questions that keep you up at night, to explore, to experiment, to collaborate. Art saves both in the creating and in the receiving. That's my friend Andrea Dorfman, an animator, filmmaker, and sharer of wisdom. She's working on a short called What I Know from A to Z. Andrea will be our bard throughout the episode, popping in with her alphabetic wisdom. So let's review the letter A. A is for art and how it helps to make sense of it all, to answer those questions that keep you up at night, to explore, to experiment, to collaborate. Art saves, both in the creating and in the receiving. Hetty McKinnon is an artist. Art is about personal expression through creation. It's about bringing something into the world that didn't exist before. This is what she's done with her family, her business, her cookbooks, and as a publisher of an independent magazine. And she shares it with the rest of us. We're in her studio space in Brooklyn. It's a Monday morning and Atlantic Avenue is noisy outside the windows. But the sun is bright, the studio is calm, and Hedia has made us gazleme. Gazleme is a traditional Turkish street food, but Hedi has made them Hedi style. She sauteed greens, onions, mushrooms, and halloumi, then spooned the filling onto a soft dough and crimped the edges like a Chinese dumpling. She fried the big dumplings in a hot pan, then cut them in half and squeezed lemon over top. I'm in Turkey. I'm in China. I'm in Australia. I'm in Brooklyn. But first, Sydney. I knew Hetty's career in food began in Sydney, when her kids were tiny, when she launched a business delivering salads on her bicycle, salads she had made in her Arthur Street kitchen. As I shoved these crispy, vegetable-filled pockets of goodness into my mouth, I asked her to tell me about this beginning. Did she always love cooking? How did she go from working in PR to salads? when she had three babies under three and a half at home. Yeah, so I, I mean, the, the bicycle business is uh, Arthur Street Kitchen, which I started in my home kitchen in 2011 in mm-hmm. Surrey Hills in Sydney. 
I was writing about this recently. I kind of feel weird calling it a business because it was never, it never felt like a business. Like I, would, I didn't, I never did it for the money. Like, I'm a terrible business person, basically. Like I never do anything for money. I probably should. But, but she built a little business inspired by the creative time she was given in the quiet of nap time. In that time when, when they were babies, I remember they would go to sleep and I would get out cookbooks and I discovered I was never a really huge cook before then and I'd been vegetarian for a while but it wasn't like my passion I never had a food dream I never thought I want to be in food but I discovered all these cookbooks during that time like Otolenghi like his original book even before Plenty came out and an Australian author called Karen Martini like Lucy and Greg Monroof like all these books with all these flavors that I'd never eaten before, really. I didn't grow up eating, like, Middle Eastern food. That's why there's a big Middle Eastern influence in my cooking. It's because of those early cookbooks is when I really first discovered cookbooks. And I would make all these meals, you know, during the day. And you know, an Ottolenghi, I mean, that's face, I love your time, Ottolenghi, but his recipes take a long time. So while the kids were sleeping, I would make one dish it would take me like three hours but I just learned so much you know like about spices and about how to how to get the most flavor out of spices and what spices to add to vegetables and it just became like a passion like I think Hetty and I were unknowingly charring eggplants over an open flame in our kitchens at the same time we both owned that first Otto Lange book before he released plenty I worked around the corner from the first Otto Lange cafe Hetty also spent a few years in London, also around the corner from Otto Lange. Their window displays, the colors, the vegetables, the bright glass plates. It was art for all the senses. And before I knew it, I was folding the smoky pulp of an eggplant into tahini and garlic, just as Otto Lange had told us to, and sprinkling it with pomegranate seeds and serving it up with grilled peppers and zucchini. These flavors were a revelation to me, and for Hetty too, but she was next level. At this point in her story, she said she was now rapturous for vegetables and herbs. D is for having an idea and for doing something about it. Doing nothing will take you nowhere, but doing something might take you somewhere you couldn't have dreamed of. And then just one day I just decided, I think I might like just try making like salads and just delivering them around the neighborhood. And it was kind of a weird idea. It had no business. Like people now try and ask me questions like, what was your business plan? I was like, there was no business plan. There was, there was no marketing. There was, I did, there was no Instagram back then. Cash only, no app, nothing. I made a website for myself. It wasn't marketed as a vegetarian business either. It was just like salads delivered twice a week and then the website address. And I remember handing those around to some of the stores. By that time, we'd already lived in Surrey Hills for many years, so handed those around. And the first week, I probably got four orders, and probably three of them were my friends. And one was from someone maybe in the real estate agent up the road. And it was a slow start. But soon, Hetty could no longer fit her box salads and the granny cart she was using for deliveries. So her husband bought her a bicycle with a big basket. Eventually, she was making 200 salads a week, selling out within 10 minutes of announcing the menu to her customers. And she still couldn't quite figure out why her little business was so popular. 
in an area of Sydney full of the best cafes and restaurants. But you know what I worked out? I thought, I worked out that there's not that many chances in life where you're delivered food from the person who's thought about the food, thought about every single ingredient that goes in, that has gone and got the produce, that has cooked the food, and that has delivered it to your door. Like from concept to receipt, it's, it's, it's one person and it's so personal. And I was never trying to be anything else. I was never trying to be this huge delivery service. And it wasn't just leaving a box somewhere. It was like that connection where you hand that box over and you have that five or ten minute chat. I mean, my deliveries would take a really long time. I was not efficient at all. It would take me hours because I'm having these little chats all over the neighbourhood. It was a magical time. I know there's been other people who have tried to set up the same business, but... Almost in the naivety, the spontaneity, just even how wacky it was to do it at the time, it's all that kind of came together to make it that special. Here's a little clip of Hetty from 2014 on the Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry podcast on what it's like to make deliveries on a bicycle. I can't help it that every single time I get on my bike, I feel like a kid and I feel like you know, throwing my hands in the, in the air and yelling because it's so fun to ride a bike. And so I just kind of think, you know, this is a pretty nice way of running a business. B is for your back. Take care of it. This means not sitting for too long. We're just not made for this. Bend your back. Break dance. Bicycle. Biking is freedom, the closest you'll ever get to flying. Hetty grew up in the suburbs of Sydney, the youngest of three kids. She said it was a pretty normal, stable childhood. Gilligan's Island on the television before dinner, her mother in the kitchen cooking all the time with the exhaust fan blaring. But when the exhaust fan was turned off and the little screen door to the kitchen was pulled open, they knew it was time to come set the table. It sounds like my house, except my sisters and I were watching Three's Company. And my mom was probably making chicken soup. I was always the table setter. Hetty's mother emigrated to Australia from China in her early 20s to marry Hetty's father, who worked in the markets for a banana wholesaler. Hetty's mother still lives in Sydney. Her father died when Hetty was 15. In her 50 years living in Sydney, Hetty says her mom has never learned to speak English, but she gets by. There's a story Hetty wrote in the childhood edition of her publication, Peddler, called A Big Breakfast. It starts like this. Breakfast in our house was rather epic. My mother started every day in the kitchen with ferocity and purpose. There were no cereal boxes in our pantry, no conventional porridge on the table, no milk in our glasses. Eggs did make the plate often, though, usually fried in my mom's wok, with crispy ruffled edges and a customized yolk for her three overindulged children. Well done for my sister, medium for my brother, and a soft, runny yolk for myself. Her mom's devotion to her children and the food they ate has never faltered. 
Hetty says she couldn't have operated her salad business without her mother, who took a bus and a train to Hetty's house during those early days. It was a really kind of seminal time for in our relationship because we were always close, like we're a close family, but we kind of created a real bond around that food. And even though it was not the food that she was cooking, she was around and I think there was like a real pride in her that I had gone to food as my career. She also didn't really understand it because I was making salads. But she would test me all the time. So basically there was a lot of, you're not washing this correctly. You don't know how to cut pumpkin. Let me do that for you. And I would be like annoyed, but I would be like appreciative too. It's like, oh, she's helping me. Okay, I'll, I'll just let her wash the Asian greens because apparently I don't know how to wash vegetables. But, you know, it's it kind of a funny... I've written about this kind of uh, tug of war we would have in the kitchen. It was all good-natured. But then she would... Her influence was so great, like, even her just being in the house. Some of those salads, like the seaweed salad, that's that was one of the most loved salads at Arthur Street Kitchen. It's in community. That was all from her. Like, that actual bag of seaweed was from a Chinese supermarket she brought that over and said I think that would be good in a salad so I made that the black fungus that I use a lot in my salads that was all from her too I mean she would just go on and you know the black fungus or woodier fungus a a Chinese seed is this incredible ingredient you know it basically saves your life it uh, thins out your blood it you know lowers your cholesterol it's this magic ingredient so she would she brought that and said why don't you try and make something out of this that'd be good in a salad c is for changing your mind for letting go of what you once believed to make room for a new idea don't worry you're allowed It might feel awkward when you first embrace a new thought, but eventually it'll feel like you've grown an inch. You're allowed to change your mind. You're a work in progress. I remember growing up, it was a little weird because I remember like, it's funny, like growing up in two worlds, like being Chinese at home. We spoke Chinese, we ate Chinese food. It was all the Chinese rituals, you know, burning incense every morning, you know, praying to Buddha, all that stuff. And then going to school and then eating a Vegemite sandwich for lunch. But I bet it was this dichotomy that expanded Hetty's horizons created an openness to flavors, an ability to flow between cultures. Take these qualities and combine them with her travels, her time in London, her time in the kitchen, and her love of connection with the people she was feeding. And that's how those salads came to life. And then that's why they were the way they were. And you know, a lot of people say that book kind of changed the landscape of salads, like of what a salad is, and particularly in Australia where it's it's been such a, a loved book. But let's take a quick step back. We're rushing. Okay, so Hetty collected the recipes for the salad she created for Arthur Street Kitchen and put together a manuscript and called it Community. She didn't have a publisher or a photographer, But customers were asking for the recipes, and she didn't want to slap them together haphazardly. She wanted it to be gorgeous. And that's when Louisa Brimble walked into her life. Louisa from episode 27 of this podcast. The lovely, collaborative, larger-than-life Louisa. Louisa, who has been nominated for a James Beard Award for photography. So Louisa was hired to photograph Hetty for a local publication. 
they had never met before. At the time, I did not know Louisa Brimble was obsessed with sweet potatoes. But she came to my house one day and I was prepping for my week, my weekly deliveries. So I was serving sweet potato that week. She walks in, you know, larger than life with Poppy by her side, her youngest daughter. I think she was expecting me to serve her the sweet potato. I didn't know that was her favorite vegetable. And I just sweet potato all over my island, my kitchen island, because, you know, I was prepping probably 80 salads that day. So Louisa waltzes in, eyes the sweet potatoes. They go outside. Louisa takes the pictures she's been assigned to take. And then she says to me, oh, we should do a cookbook. I really want to shoot a cookbook. And I was like, isn't that funny? I've just finished writing my manuscript. I have no idea how it's going to be shot. I have no plans. I have a manuscript done. I've got all the recipes written. I have no photographer, though. This is my first time I've ever met her. Literally, I've known her for like 10 minutes at this point. By the time that afternoon's over, she's already sent me her schedule of when she's free over the next five weeks, six weeks. And that was really how community came to life. It was through, you know, this chance meeting. It was just a chance that Louisa was on this job. She'd come to my house. She forced herself on me. And we ended up working on this book together. I remember she texted me the night before and said, there's this girl called Erica who wants to come help you style, maybe help out. So I was like, okay, fine. This is like how Louisa Brimble rolls, you know, there's always like an entourage. So the next day, like Erica turns up, never met her before, and she ends up styling the whole book. Erica's such a sense of style, and she started like, just styling. And we were just this team that just came together. A book that became a treasured cookbook in Australia, one that changed the landscape of salads. Louisa refers to Hetty's cookbook community as a cult. People have taken ownership of it. Hetty would later move to Brooklyn, where she followed up community with a cookbook she called Neighborhood, and most recently, her latest cookbook, Family. Louisa and Erica came to New York to style and photograph those as well. They're Hetty's team, her community. The scope of Hetty's recipes has stretched beyond salads, But her themes have stayed the same, the stories and ingredients of the people in her community. But with each book, the stories have grown more intimate, more personal. This desire for more personal stories is what brought Peddler to life, the magazine Hetty created with her friend Shirley Kai. It's a biannual magazine, sharing food stories from writers all over the world, And Peddler is one of those gorgeous indie magazines. The paper is thick and matte, the photographs are beautiful, the layout is minimal. But the way the stories are put together are very personal. I think as a woman, we realize there is no, there's no harm in being personal. Personal really sums up a lot of what I do with Peddler, but with my books too, is that I realized recently what I'm trying to do with my writing, with my recipes, with my books, is I want people to feel something. And particularly with family. Family is probably has been influenced a lot by Peddler. I wrote it like after I had done the first issue of Peddler or the second issue of Peddler. And it's influenced by that for sure. Food is emotive, whether you allow it to be or not. I want people to feel something when they read those stories, when they read family, when they read Peddler, when they cook one of the recipes, or when they just read the recipe. I want them to feel something. Mainstream food right now is loud. 
and it's noisy and it's showy and it's all about the latest trend and look at this dish this this is amazing you know like a lot of you see a lot of it on social media and I just found myself this was one of the other inspirations I really found myself like my food has never been loud I don't do loud food you know mine's very humble and it's modest and it uses everyday ingredients but I just found myself thinking I don't know how to exist in this world anymore so I just created a new world where I wanted to be again the letter d d is for having an idea and for doing something about it doing nothing will take you nowhere but doing something might take you somewhere you couldn't have dreamed of so i got it in my head i wanted to do this kind of independent journal this little magazine that would be about multicultural food that would be not really about educating people so much but i guess educating from a personal viewpoint so it's about the in between moments of food. It's recipe driven journal, but it's not really about the recipe if you know what I mean. Like there's each every issue comes with, you know, a, a lot of recipes. But they're very traditional recipes and it's the way that your mother would have made it or your grandmother. I mean, I'm going to say it's shamelessly nostalgic. I know in mainstream food media there is a real pushback against nostalgia and saying there's too much nostalgia in food and why are we all looking at grandma um because to understand our past is the way you move forward you know to understand why things or why you are the way you are or why a particular smell or an aroma makes you feel a certain way that's how you evolve as a person Teddy and I have both chosen careers that allow us to be home with our children. I know this decision was influenced by our mothers, who were so content as homemakers. My mother didn't approach her days with ferocity like Hetty's mother did, but there was a deep sense of purpose and love. Our stories are fueled by that nostalgic feeling, that sense of grounding. Hetty says she realizes now that she and her mother are so much the same. We're very independent. We're very driven. So whatever we're doing, we're very driven. So she, her thing was cooking for family and raising a family, and she was driven by that. And it's, you know, I learned so much respect for that. Like, it's, it's, it's work. You know, being in the home is work. From her, I learned that I always wanted to be around my children, I didn't choose to not work, but, you know, just to be at home all the time. I'm I'm home all the time, but I'm also doing lots of other things, and I think families are really kind of held together by, by that. E is for eating really good food. Everything you put in your mouth can be so much more than just edible. It should be incredible. Hetty says her mother's fingers always smelled of ginger. My mother smelled of chocolate chip cookie dough, and a little dusting of flour usually lined the cuffs of her sweater. My fingers are cookie dough and garlic and ginger. Hetty's are probably much like her mother's too, with lemon and fresh herbs woven in as well. All the incredible things. This is where Andrea says, F is for the full moon. Only 12 in a year, and some of them concealed behind clouds. Catch the full moon whenever you can. F is also for family. Gather your family, whatever family means to you, and eat together. Wash dishes together. Bicycle together. 
and try to catch a full moon on a clear night. I didn't want to leave Hetty's studio that day. The Goslames were all gone, but I had more questions. I wanted to be like Louisa and send Hetty my schedule. I wanted to book something else in. But Hetty had given so much away. Her story, her food, and most of all, her time. I know how precious those hours are between 9 and 3 p.m. Soon she would be picking up her kids, taking them to activities, preparing food for her upcoming book launch while simultaneously making dinner for her family and perhaps testing a recipe or two. I know how this goes, this dance. G's for giving it away. Things, ideas, your time, your warmth. You'll always feel more like you're getting something than losing it. Thanks to Hetty McKinnon, Andrea Dorfman, the unbearable lightness of being hungry podcast, Hetty's mother for that seaweed salad, Luke Batio, our producer and sound editor, and Jen Grant for our theme song. We'll include links to everyone in our show notes, and you can find Hetty's books online or at your favorite cookbook store. Community, sadly, is available only in Australia. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Food Podcast or at Lindsay Cameron Wilson. And please rate and review us wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps very much. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production.